0: Welcome to EQ Minds Recharge Your Mental Health Podcast. I'm Chelsea Pottinger, the host of this show, and today I am very grateful because we have Dr. David Pellmotta coming onto our show. Dr. Pellmotta is a board-certified neurologist and five-time New York Times bestselling author. He serves on the board of directors and is a fellow of the American College of Nutrition. The reason why I was so keen to get Dr. Pellmotta onto the show was because his book, Grain Brain, seriously changed my life. And from there, I've read his other books, the most recent Brainwash, which is flat out one of the best books that I've read. So I really hope you get as much value out of this podcast as what I did when I spoke to Dr. Pallmotta. Without further ado, it is such an absolute pleasure to welcome Dr. David Pallmotta to our show.
1: I am absolutely delighted to be here. Thank you for having me.
0: Oh, thank you so much. So I was thinking, Dr. Pomodal, with the current situation at the moment with coronavirus and heightened levels of stress, you know, you're the expert when it comes to the brain and what stress is doing. And so I was going to ask, you know, what does actually chronic stress do to our brain and our thinking?
1: It's a very good question. It's not just chronic stress, but even uh, short-term stress, if it's of a high uh, level, can also wreak havoc with respect to not just the brain, but the brain indirectly via its effects throughout the body. Let's break that down a little bit. So we talk about something called the stress hormone, and that is cortisol. Reality is, though, cortisol is an adaptive hormone. It allows our body to prepare itself to be better able to deal with uh, certain situations when they are let's say more acute it helps us mobilize our blood sugar it's the reason that we you know that it varies during a 24 hour period etc but stress through the mechanism of chronically elevating this hormone cortisol uh, is therefore very detrimental to the brain specifically to a part of the brain called the hippocampus that is for lack of a better term, one of our important memory centers. So we know that the cells of the hippocampus are directly threatened chronically by even low level of of increase of that chemical cortisol when we are chronically subjected to stress. And we see it in primates. That's been demonstrated in experimental animals, even in rodents as well. And the other thing that chronic stress does that will then indirectly be very threatening to the brain is because of this elevation of cortisol, there are direct effects upon the gut. Now, many of your listeners may be wondering, gee, I thought we were talking about the brain. Well, we realize that the effects that cortisol has upon the gut by changing the array of organisms that live within the gut and by increasing the leakiness or permeability of the gut lining both of those entryways increase a process called inflammation. And it turns out that inflammation is really a cornerstone mechanism in virtually all of the neurodegenerative conditions like Parkinson's and Alzheimer's. Inflammation underlies coronary artery disease, type 2 diabetes, higher levels of inflammatory chemicals are seen in obesity. And what we are now beginning to understand about chronic inflammation, this is really very germane as it relates to the initial part of your question, is that inflammation tends to change the wiring of our brains such that our decision-making is more impulsive and less concerned with long-term considerations. It's more uh, about what I want to do right now, I want this right now, end of story, not thinking about how the decisions I'm going to make today are going to play out tomorrow or how my decisions might affect another person. So it's really locking us into thinking only about ourselves, enhancing this us versus them mentality and increasing our impulsivity. That's inflammation brought on by chronic stress, inflammation brought on by the modern Western diet, inflammation brought on by lack of sleep, by lack of exercise, by lack of contact with nature, by living in a world that promotes stress and promotes fear.
0: It's unbelievable, you know, and and why do you think that is that our stress levels have gone through the roof? Is it because of our constant addiction these days to technology and how much digital exposure we're all getting?
1: I think those are important considerations. We talk about in Brainwash the fact that we love, including myself and my son who wrote the book with me, we love our technology. I mean, that's how we were able to write a book like this by having access to an unlimited array of information. But it's a question of using technology and not being abused by technology, not allowing technology to dictate what we see, what we do, how much time we spend. And virtually captivating our attention, not only because that's negative in and of itself, and there are many reasons for that which we can talk about, but also because it's taking away our our most valuable resource, and that is time. The, you know, here in America, the average American spends forty-two percent of his or her waking time in front of one screen or another. In a lifetime, that's twenty-two years of screen time. Now, in and of itself, that's threatening. Uh, because of the multitude of uh, ways that our attention is taken away from us and manipulated, but it's also threatening through the eyes of the the notion that you know when you're doing one thing, you're not doing something else. Meaning, when you're spending six or more hours a day in front of a screen, you are not uh, having as much time available to you to exercise, prepare your meals, go shopping, interact socially with other people, spend time in nature, meditate. All the things that are good for building a better brain and really building a brain that makes better decisions.
0: Absolutely. And it's frightening that statistic, isn't it? Forty two percent of Americans we're not we're probably not too far behind you in Australia. I wouldn't be surprised, you know, if that's similar statistics to us over here. I would agree with that. You know, what do you recommend then for people to have lower the risk of this digital exposure? Is it just setting these really clear boundaries and making sure that we've got scheduled breaks in and we're not getting our phone too close to bedtime. And what do you recommend for people who are quite addicted to their technology?
1: Well, you know, addiction is an interesting word because there really is now a defined internet addiction, which is about 6% of adults on the planet. And, you know, that, that equates to 1.4 billion people, which is five times the, the population of England. And these are uh, individuals who, uh, on a good day, have twofold increased risk for suicide. And if we're talking about those individuals 18 years or younger, their risk of suicide is fourfold increased. We know that in China, there are boot camps now for internet addicted people. And in South Korea, they're offering digital detox programs that are designed to help people reestablish connection with people as opposed to the virtual world that uh, people are spending so much time in. So we describe in Brainwash an acronym called TIME and ask you to always use the test of time when you're going to use your computer. It's actually very straightforward. The T stands for time. How much time are you going to dedicate to the task? Is it 30 minutes? Is it an hour? I, is it intentional? What is the goal? What do you want to study? Who do you want to reconnect with? Do you want to spend time on your uh, social media and connect with people from your school age years, whatever it is, but that's your intent. M, do you remain mindful while you're engaged on this digital experience in terms of what is your goal? Do you stay with it or do you find yourself suddenly distracted into a rabbit hole of clickbait and pop-up ads that are not there to do you good? And finally, E, T-I-M-E, is this online experience enriching? is it ultimately net positive when you're done do you feel like you've this was a valuable usage of that last hour did you do something positive or was it wasted time and you know again your time online is extremely valuable not just for you but for others where you spend your time where your attention goes online has great value for others and justifies In their eyes, the manipulation of your attention with the pop up ads, with the clickbait to take you to places that can be monetized, things that are good for them and not good for you. Again, I'm not trying to call out something like a conspiracy theory here. I'm saying that, you know, our digital accessibility is just breathtakingly wonderful, but I think it's very good to put it into context in terms of how much time we are spending and what that experience is like in terms of threatening basically our sanity and mostly from our perspective, threatening our ability to make good decisions.
0: Absolutely. I think that's what, I love that. I love the time acronym. And I think that's, you know, you've mentioned a couple of amazing points there. And also, we're not, you know, bad mouthing tech, it's absolutely helped us propel our whole society and globe forward. And I know that you and your son are really obviously exceptionally caring doctors and you really care about mental health. And that's why I was so grateful that you came on our podcast because our audience is really into their mental health. And I was going to ask you just a couple of tips that you do to also help decrease your stress. It's the digital obviously the of digital. What else do you do to help with your mental health and
1: well for me it's staying busy, staying engaged and engaging in projects that I think are going to be helpful towards others. I mean, that's what motivated me to become a physician. However, many years ago, what was it, more than 40 years ago? And I think that we all have abilities and I recognized my ability years ago as a problem solver. And I thought a good place to exploit that ability, if you will, would be as a healthcare provider. So that's, why I went into medicine. So these days during the challenges that we are facing, I host a, like yourself, a podcast where I review the current uh, scientific literature and try to give people balanced information in terms of their decision-making day by day as we are faced with challenges the likes of which we couldn't have imagined several months ago, but it's the new reality. And we can adapt. We can absolutely adapt and we can thrive uh, even in a time like this. And, you know, we have to rewrite the books as we look towards the future. It's not going to play out as expected. There, you know, here we are and there's a different reality, but it doesn't mean that life can still not be enjoyable. It's just going to be different.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, So, the contribution piece is huge. That obviously helps with happiness levels as well. So, digital detox contribution, heard that you meditate. We obviously look after your gut health. You know, you mentioned that at the start of our podcast around making sure that our gut health is really thriving because it has a direct impact on our mental health and movement and being out in nature. I think all of those things that you mentioned are so crucial to people. With yeah, and you know, it's a
1: very interesting statement that you just made in passing, but it's profound. And that is that our gut health plays a role in our mood. That's something five years ago, you wouldn't have gotten away with saying. People would have said, well, what in the heck is she talking about? Or what am I about to talk about? But what a world we live in now, where we absolutely appreciate and embrace the role that our gut organisms are playing in terms of how we see the world around us. In fact, our mood is moment to moment influenced by what's going on in the gut. So there's a lot of Uh, A lot of meaning in the term gut feeling and indeed what goes on in the gut influences our perception of everything we see around us. That said, when we engage in activities that threaten the diversity and functionality and health of our gut bacteria, it relates to things like depression and anxiety. So depression and anxiety are uh, clearly have uh, correlates with changes that go on within the gut. And the important part of that statement is that we can exercise control over those changes and fix these problems moving forward. We know, for example, that depression is an inflammatory disorder and that various things that go on in the gut will increase inflammation and at the same time will decrease the neurotransmitter serotonin. Inflammation directly threatens Our body's ability to make that important neurochemistry or neurotransmitter called serotonin. I mean, that's enhancing the action of serotonin is why there are drugs like Prozac and Paxil and uh, you you name it, Zoloft. They're designed to increase the availability of serotonin, and yet almost all of it comes from the gut. So uh, when we start to pay attention to the gut, we realize that um, that's a new lever that we can pull. In terms of helping people regain control over their mood, which, you know, is certainly these days a challenge when people are feeling so overwhelmed and, and, and threatened by uncertainty. Uncertainty is probably the biggest factor, uh, that is affecting people's mood. They don't know what to expect tomorrow or next week. What will government say? What will people, how will people react? When will thing, when will this be over? It's, Uncertainty that I think is really very much influential as it relates to both depression and anxiety.
0: And on, on that, with uncertainty, what are some, you know, how can you help or what are some tips for people to ease the uncertainty? Is it the fact that we just need to control what we can control and not catastrophize or fortune tell and really writing down what these feedback loops are and questioning, you know, is this feedback loop helpful or harmful? And then putting in some action based to that. You know, I think the uncertainty we're seeing it a lot over here as well. Uh, is there any sort of thoughts or recommendations that you can offer our audience around if they are feeling uncertain or excessively worrying?
1: I would offer up the following tips for whether people are feeling it now or not. The reason being that <laughs> if you happen not to be feeling anxiety or or concern, likely you will soon. So again. This is about the rewiring of our brains away from the fear center and more towards an area called the prefrontal cortex, which is basically the adult in the room. The adult in the room that tells us there's not a monster under the bed. The adult in the room that says stop the impulsive behavior. Let's make our decisions based upon input, looking at, at a lot of facts and thinking about how our day to day decisions are going to influence us today, but also tomorrow, next week, and also influence uh, those people around us and even influence the planet upon which we live. So I think that there is a big place for us to stop and experience what is called gratitude. Because when we stop and begin to count our blessings, if you will, or look at the glass half full or gain an appreciation for the things over which we do have control day by day. Uh we really tend to relegate those issues over which we have less control to the back burner. They become less influential moment to moment and the way to do that is to turn off the news. It's fine to check in to see what government officials are recommending in terms of opening things up, medications, vaccinations, etc. but to fan the flames of fear and division and uncertainty day in and day out locks us into the fear center of the brain, the amygdala. And the more that we do that, the more we will relate to the amygdala moment to moment, and that will rule our perception of the world around us. The more we do something, the more we wire to that event or that perception, as opposed to regaining our exercise routine, getting restorative sleep, spending some time in nature, engaging in meditation, going on a diet that's less inflammatory. All of these things tend to rewire our brains back toward the more sophisticated prefrontal cortex, the adult in the room that will calm us down, take the fear away, reduce our us-versus-them mentality, and allow us to make better decisions moving forward.
0: I love that. There's everyone that I get as a guest on our show. We talk about gratitude, and I really enjoyed that summary there, Dr. Komodo. You know, the sleep, the engaging in meditation, a less inflammatory diet, which you've got an amazing book about, less news. So going where the facts are, you know, rather than getting caught up in the stories, And reducing down that limbic brain and making sure our prefrontal cortex is on board. I love that. The your book, I've got it here in my hands. It is flat out one of the best books I have ever read. Oh my goodness! And I read a lot. I read a lot of books, and from a lot of successful people like yourself and doctors. And I'll just love you to summarise for our audience. You know what's what's the central message there of brainwash? So because I'd love them to get their hands on it as well.
1: Sure. I think the central message is empowerment and that is a problem b solution what is the problem the problem is that we're becoming disconnected from the part of our brain that defines us as being human beings the empowerment part is reconnecting to that part of the brain this prefrontal cortex that allows us to manifest all of our gifts as humans making better decisions caring for other people being compassionate being empathetic being able to see things from another person's viewpoint. We live in a world that is really doing its very best to lock us into one frame of reference, be it a social media site that a person may go to that only looks at things from one perspective to the exclusion of other ideas. And, you know, certainly these days uh, there are websites that will cater to any perspective that you may have. You'll find Uh, social media uh, sites and websites and videos that cater to something as strange as it may seem to others. I think it's very important to be able to look at how other people are seeing the world around us and being able to try on uh, their perspective. We call this cognitive empathy. Cognitive empathy is basically walking the mile in somebody else's shoes, seeing what it's like. And there's so little of that these days. We're becoming hyper-polarized. Our view is the only view. Anyone else's view is straight out wrong to the extent that we've got to be aggressive towards people who don't share our view. That's not the way to make progress. The way to make progress is to take the best of everyone's viewpoint and come up with a new approach. That's how humans have always made progress. But we've lost the agora, the marketplace. We no longer share the social interaction that allowed shared ideologies and the ability that we've always had, as long as we've had language uh, to communicate and uh, come up with uh, novel approaches to, to ideas and, and solutions to problems. Even today, we see that, you know, there are people in favor of vaccinations and others who are dead set against vaccinations. And. The truth of the matter is likely what we should be doing is somewhere between the two extremes, that neither the vaxxers nor the anti-vaxxers is necessarily 100% right. They define the ends of the scale, and what we should do is somewhere in the middle. Uh, Should we lock down every country in the world, or should we totally allow everybody to go back to work and do everything they want to do right now? Those are the extremes what we probably should do is somewhere in the middle. But the only way that we get to that magical best somewhere in the middle is if we can communicate, if we can discuss why we need to go back to work, why we need social isolation. What's the benefit of wearing a mask versus not? Why should we wash our hands? All of these ideas are very, very important. And we've got to listen to both sides to reach that that perfect sweet spot in the middle that is ultimately best for everybody and can help move the ball down the field in a way that makes the most sense. If we polarize, then we exclude the upside of somebody
0: else's ideology. Absolutely. I would love my audience to find out more about you. I've read all of your books, Grain Brain, Brain Maker and brainwash. It's incredible. So where can people find more about you that don't already know you? Where should they go? And to find your book? Well, I'd say that I've been doing
1: a live Facebook almost every day right now. My Facebook uh, site, oddly enough, is David Perlmutter MD. And my website, which has thousands of peer-reviewed scientific articles that are supportive of the things we talk about, and it's a searchable database, that's a very difficult website. It's drperlmutter.com, drperlmutter.com. So I think those are probably the two best places that people can find me, unless they want to find me here at home. <laughs>
0: That's yet another
1: place where you can find me.
0: Oh, thank you so much for coming on our show today, Dr. That has been It's been absolutely my pleasure.
1: Thank you for having me. And again, thanks to Australia for being so darn supportive over the past many years. I've Enjoyed our visits and teaching and interacting and I have some great friends there.
0: Uh, well, we absolutely adore you here. So please come back and visit us soon when the uh, travel restrictions have lifted. We'd love to see you again here in Sydney. Will do. Thanks again. Thank you. To continue on your calm journey, I really encourage you to download a free ebook on how to live a calmer life. Simply head to eqminds.com to receive your free copy. And if you're in a really good mood, please feel free to give us a five star rating. It helps other people find the podcast, and then together we can help other people with their mental health and well being. Thank you so much for coming on this journey with us, and we'll see you again in a week. This podcast is for information purposes only. Any advice is not a substitute for medical guidance. Any use of information contained in this podcast is used at the user's own risk.